0: Hello and welcome to Roses Radio, Voices Saving Lives. This podcast is presented by Roses in the Ocean, an Australian-based national not-for-profit that's been founded in order to change the way suicide is spoken about, understood and prevented. We hope that by presenting lived experience stories along with the insights and wisdom of the courageous people who share them, we will help to dispel some of the myths about suicide Improving the suicide literacy of our communities and contributing to reducing the fear, discrimination and judgement that sadly still inhibits our ability to support others and seek help. At Roses in the Ocean we believe that most suicides are preventable and we need to be able to openly speak about suicide. So please, open your hearts and minds to the possibilities that a deeper understanding of suicide can bring to saving lives. Hi folks, welcome to Roses Radio and today on Roses Radio we're talking to Tom. How you doing Tom?
1: Yeah, good man, yourself?
0: Yeah, good. And Crazy. the last time uh, I think I spoke to you, um, I think you were painting a mural or, uh, <laughs> yeah. down in West End or somewhere? Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, So, was, How
0: did it end up?
1: Yeah, um, I was really happy with the result, painting a large scale uh, Plato on the side of an uh, uh, art studio building. Um, yeah and that was that was awesome so four day stint down there and got it done
0: yeah Yeah. tell me about your passion for art mate when did um, when did that you know when did that come about
1: so I guess ever
0: since uh,
1: ever since I could hold a pencil I've been drawing Um, so I absolutely loved drawing as a kid Um, and I think it was that sort of um, you know relaxing state that it puts you in Uh, that was sort of attractive I think as a kid just to Um, sit there with my notebook and just draw away. I never um, really thought about it too much. It was just something that I just did sort of almost every day Um, and I'd just copy cartoon characters, you know, like Mario and things like those um, and just draw and draw and draw and it was um, magnificent. So I think that's where the passion started. Um, I never through schooling thought that it would be a career option just because of certain people... um, you know, that even within my own family who, you know, questioned that sort of thing, I think, because the stigma around um, it's sort of being an artist. The as a battling career. artist. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, better get ready to starve my whole life sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, um, yeah, ended up. Proving that all wrong, so
0: that's okay. <laughs> yeah, and you work at the art gallery here in um, Adelaide. Are you yep. still there?
1: Yep. Yeah, so I work at the Art Gallery of South Australia full time. Yeah, doing um, what? I work there as education officer for um, a thing called Tarnandi, which is our um, Aboriginal um, and Torres Strait Islander Contemporary Arts Festival.
0: Yeah, and you're yeah. a proud Indigenous man, so working in this space must give you an enormous amount of satisfaction.
1: Yeah, for sure, definitely, and I think. You know, um, I graduated high school in 2010, so that's not too long ago. Um, And I didn't get really any schooling around my own culture. Um, And so I, you know, especially in primary school, I was never proud of, um, you know, my heritage because of, um, you know, things like bullying and all of that sort of stuff. But I think, um, you know, looking back now and seeing, you know, the lack of, stuff through the education has also given me that drive to better, um, you know, what's delivered through education. And so my, my job's very important to me in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's through the arts that um, I started to learn about my own culture. <clears throat> so when I studied in, in art school, that um, led me to Aboriginal studies. Um, and from there, I was like, oh my God, the, I'm learning things that, you know, my Whole family should know, and you know, like, um, you know, some everything that's sort of happened, um, you know, through our culture, there's a lot of disconnect, and um, that we're still dealing with to this day. And so, to be able to pull some of that stuff back together through the arts is incredible. Um,
0: yeah, and a lot of those stories are expressed through art, isn't it? You yeah, 100 indigenous stories are told through. Um, through painting yep. and through music and yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's so important. It's such a good point that you brought up because, you know, even though the history books were almost rewritten completely, um, you know, you can't change the paintings, you can't change um, you know, the songs, those stories, all of that's embedded in through the arts. Um, and that's an incredible thing to think about because, you know, um as an artist, you know, being able to paint and think about, you know, the stories that you're trying to sort of convey. Um, it's a nice feeling knowing that in the future that that story will still be in that painting. No one can change that. No yeah, one can that take idea. that away. Yeah. yeah. So that's really
0: awesome. And in exploring your heritage, where what did you find? Where where does your mob come from? And and um, you know what is that history?
1: Yeah. So um, my family's Naranjeri. and um, and so a lot of, you know, some of the history that I found out is, you know, quite dark and, um, you know, quite sad in a lot of ways. Um, but it's all part of who I am. And so it's it's good to look at even the hard stuff and, um, you know, try to make something off of that. Um, and I think through, you know, one of the main things for me was the connections with people. Um, you know, people that even, you know, live in South Australia who... Um, even some that i'm related to and i would never had a relationship with them previously and so the arts has actually been that um you know that way that vehicle for those relationships to grow and sort of thrive and then i'm learning from them and um yeah it's that sort of that sort of thing
0: yeah, yeah. and the passion for art um <clears throat> ignited in uh high school and then uh, when you left high school um we well didn't you didn't kind of follow the arts in terms of a, a, a career choice um tell us what you did for 12 months before you finally decided (laughs) to do what you love
1: yeah for sure so um yeah all through high school um you know I'd I'd still draw and everybody thought I was a good drawer I look back now and I think they're all lying to me um (laughs) (laughs) but after high school I I didn't necessarily know what to do and I think you know a lot of teachers have um you know that expectation of year twelves. You know you've got to know your career path, and you've got to know this by the time you graduate, and that's not the case for a lot of people. And and it's it's very important to, um, you know, also discuss that that's okay. That's okay to not have that that all set as well in year in year twelve because. Um, you know, then you could do what I did. Um, <laughs> but basically for a year, I, I decided to have a gap year and work in maintenance and just general construction, landscaping, those sorts of jobs. And I think from from doing that, I realised I needed a creative job because there was nothing feeding me. And so, you know, through, the, through that sort of work, I was always looking for more and I was playing in bands, which, you know, was probably my saving grace because I had something else to focus on on the weekends. But... Um, you know, as much as I look back now at that sort of those jobs that I worked, some of them were pretty bad. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's all fun, fun and games looking back at that now, but, um, yeah. And I ended up, um, going back to my high school for a bit of a music reunion, um, and spoke to my art teacher and she happened to mention art school. And I was like, oh, like, well, didn't, I didn't even know we had an art school here sort of thing. So yeah. And then I went and applied for that and yeah. That's where it all sort of began.
0: And <laughs> um, did you know Adam had applied for art school or did you guys uh, do it together? So let's, let's shift our focus to your, your best friend, yep. uh, Adam. And, and you guys had grown up together and, and yep. uh, you'd been besties for a long time. What's yeah. the history between you and Adam?
1: Yeah, so um, he didn't go to the art school. Oh, he didn't, um, okay. But we went – yeah, so basically, um, yeah, we, he'd supported me all through – Um, high schooling and as we were younger you know like saying how sick my drawings were and all those sorts of things but um yeah so um he he was really good at um calling a spade a spade and I think that was one of his best traits um for me as you know as as best mate um because at that end of that gap year I was like man construction shit I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to be doing this sort of thing for the rest of my life I just don't I, I wasn't getting what I needed and he was like he was like well just go to art school man and just chase your dreams like you know you're good at it so just go and do it and at that time he was studying as well he was studying um, psychology at university um, and he he was always you know a straight shooter and he was a very academic um, guy as well and so he was a great support in, you know, whenever I was doubting myself yeah. or my own abilities, he he was like, nah, dude, like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> just do it. And I was like, shit, okay, but, you know, if this doesn't work out, it's on you. <laughs> but you
0: guys had grown up in the same street. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so we, you were yeah, you yeah. were long-term, you know, good buddies, getting up to all sorts of mischief together when yeah. you were young. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think,
1: yeah, we, we met when we were about 11. Um, I can still remember sitting on his lounge room floor playing with the wrestling dolls with the little wrestling ring and stuff and, um, you know, watching wrestling and all those sorts of things and, you know, always arguing with people to say whether it was fake or not. Um, but, yeah, we, um, you know, from from the time we met, it was just like that instant friendship um, because you, I, I knew I could trust him and he knew he could trust me and that, mm. that sense of trust was mutual from that get-go and I think that was um, – You know, that was one of the most important things in our friendship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the extension of that friendship with Adam was that you developed a very close relationship with his family. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we we both spent a lot of time at each other's houses. Um, His family's awesome. Um, I still see them now, um, not as much as I'd like to, but, you know, obviously working full-time and those sorts of things. But it's... um, Yeah, incredible. I can um, still still go there for Christmas, and um, you know I love seeing them, and um, they love seeing me, and that's that's really really special and really awesome. Um, And you know, Adam spent a lot of time with my family as well, and um, you know we'd do things like set up the tent in the backyard and sleep in the tent as if you know the house didn't exist. (laughs) Um, And you know have um, you know we'd have old Pepsi bottles and use them as like ten pin bowling, set it up by the campfire and that, and Yeah, so we had a lot of good times and, um, you know, the families um, were awesome, yeah. Yeah, that's great memories. Yeah, man.
0: And you guys used to – you had a little (coughs) bit of a ritual where you used to catch up at um – at the bakery? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, was that because both of you were at, at night school and, and that was just the place where you'd go, or was that just a, a place where you hung out? Or?
1: Yeah, we used to, well, basically, we'd go anywhere where we could eat heaps of uh, junk food. <laughs> but, um, so. 24 hour bakery. Yeah. It's not many of them around, is there? No, like, no.
0: Where you can go to just have a pie at yep. two o'clock in the morning.
1: That's it. And like, this one's quality as well. It's, yeah, it's, it is a, quality. it's a good yeah, bakery. It's, it's got a great reputation. <laughs> yeah. So, we'd go there and just carb up and and um yeah, there was there was a few few different places we met, but yeah, that was um, you know, one of the places we'd go to and um, you know, just stuff our faces and you know, talk smack and just have a good time sort of thing. Um yeah, so the um it was it's very hard going back there after everything. Mm. Um because the I mean Adam was always busy with work and uni and I was busy with art school and it was funny because sometimes our timelines were a bit um, whack because I used to do some night shift, um, night shift work um, while studying. Um, but yeah, so we teed up a time for me and Adam and another one of my mates, Brad, to meet at the bakery. And um, and I, ro- I rocked up at the car park, sort of around the corner from there and that's where we always met. and have a bit of banter before you get into the cafe where everyone can hear you. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and Brad rocked up and he was meant to be picking up Adam.
0: So how long ago was this, mate? When are we this, talking?
1: This was in... So yeah, six, six years ago. Six years ago. Yeah, okay. 2013. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and um, he went around to pick up Adam and there was just a whole heap of police at his house and... Um, police being police didn't tell him anything. So, um, you know, Brad rocked up and was just like, oh, I don't know what's going on, man. Like, and I was like, oh, like, you know, that's that's strange. Like, because he hasn't replied to my texts or anything. And, you know, he's always on the money with that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, and so then me and Brad just sat there and, um, you know, just, just sat there speculating what, you know, what might have gone down. And, um, and The
0: thought of suicide... Ever enter your heads at that point in time? Nah. Like when you think back now, <clears throat> was there any indication that he was in a suicidal frame of mind?
1: N- no, I think. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough one because there there was a lot going on in his life at that point that I was sort of helping him get through like a bit of a um, bit of a shitty breakup um, and you know, one of his other friends happened to get with his ex and oh, those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah really so, complicated stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, when you think about, you know, that sort of pressure um, on top of studying, you know, a Master's of Psychology and, you know, working two part-time jobs and, you know, all of that sort of stuff, it's, um, you know, it's, it's not good to have that sort of pressure on yourself. Mm. Um, but yeah. In
0: a, in a funny kind of way when someone's studying psychology or something along those lines, you almost expect them to have that stuff under control. Yeah. Uh, You're studying psychology. You should know your own feelings. (laughs) Yeah. But that's not human, is it? No,
1: no. And I think um, I did a little bit of psychology when I started my Master's of Education. Yeah. And and I didn't like that degree because of that um, because the psychology component of it was basically to – I guess, have this preconceived notion of what children will be acting like in class. And I was like, how can you sum that up in a book? You know, like you, you can't you can't know what's going on in someone's head so generally. It's, you know, um, and, you know, like this, like I didn't know, you know, that Adam was having these sorts of feelings. Um, you know, if I did, I'd be up there and I would have dragged hmm. him straight into my Commodore and we would have went to the beach. So, um, you know, it's those sorts of things. Um, you know, so looking back that, that wasn't an option for me and Brad to talk about that night. We, we discussed, you know, all, all other options, but none of them were suicide. It just, it was, yeah, it's not something any of us had ever been through before.
0: You guys were tight. And would you have expected that he would have reached out to you and told you?
1: I guess, you know, obviously now looking back, not necessarily. Okay. Um, But I would have expected, uh, you know, something. But he was um, very good at holding himself as well. I think that that maybe almost masked those feelings. Um, You know, the night before we were on the phone and then like we met up and had a massive chat about all the stuff that was going on in his life and so you know in a way he did reach out um but you know he didn't say he was having those you know those feelings that intensely um you know intense enough for me to be like right you know you're staying at my house like sort of thing um but you know like he just vented all of this stuff and I was like yeah man that's you know not right like you know let's keep talking about this and we spoke till early hours of the morning sort of thing and then you know, then parted ways. Um, but, you know, that was the sort of discussion that you'd have with a friend and think, oh, like, I'm glad we had that chat, you know. Um And, you know, like I listened to him and did all, all the right things to... Mm. Um, but, you know, he was never the sort of person who you would label as depressed or those sorts of things that he didn't display those sorts of things. And I think, you know, I think especially a really important thing to raise is being male in, um, you know, where there's this stigma of, you know, keep it together, boys don't cry, you know, grow some balls, all of that sort of stuff that everybody, you know, has probably grown up to until, you know, maybe this point in time. Um, And I think those sorts of things um, can hold you Mm -hmm. back from, you know, letting out some really important emotions and you know, Adam always, always held back so, sorts of things, I guess, in that sense, because you know, I never seen him shed a tear or anything. Um, but you know, like I could have fell to pieces in front of him about stuff that I was going through, and you know, he was, you know, straight there, you know, like, and he would listen. He would always be listening. Um, yeah, but it just, it just wasn't an option for me and Brad to think about.
0: That. I suppose, it, you know, it. it it helps us to reflect on the prospect that, you know, suicide really doesn't discriminate and it, yep. it it can happen to anybody. Here you've got, you know, a guy who comes from a supportive family, uh, a really good mate, um, is openly talking about his issues, is studying psychology, um, who still goes ahead and makes an attempt on his life. Yeah. And you would think, well those protective factors that might be helpful for somebody else Mm. simply didn't apply in this particular instance, which means it really can happen to anybody, can't it?
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that's the scariest thing about it. Um, I think that's more reason for people to be so, um, you know, aware of suicide and, you know, looking at different ways of, um, you know, trying to prevent it, even if, you know... um, you know, even just educating yourself, just going online and looking up the resources that are out there, you know, like even if you're the happiest person in the world, just go out there and look up what is available to you because you might need it one day and and that's okay. You know, that's okay to dial a number that, you know, to Lifeline or something like that and have those sorts of discussions because it is a hugely important thing. You know, if I could go back and, you know, ask him if he was feeling that way, um... You know, I hundred percent would. Yeah, I, you of know, course. I'm sure all of yeah. us would go back if we yeah. could. Mm-hmm. but um, you know, it's yeah, you just yeah, yeah doesn't discriminate.
0: So you sat there that night, uh, and um, you and Brad talked, and uh, not for one minute did it think did you think that uh, this is what was going to happen. When did you find out that that's what had happened?
1: I uh, found out the next morning. Okay. Um, I I didn't get one bit of sleep. I just knew something was You were off. worried. Yeah. yeah. Um he hadn't texted me back. I even called him and I didn't even have to call him much. Like we I'd just text him be like, you know, like wanna hang out. Yep. That's it. Um, you know, we we wouldn't sit on the phone, like, you know, and talk heaps, you know, we're on the same street, sort of thing. Um but yeah, so that night I I didn't get any sleep. I even um you know, I just I just couldn't turn my brain off. Um and so Yeah, I. By the time the sun rose the next morning, I knew that something was wasn't right, Um, and I wasn't prepared to know what it was. Um, But I just remember it was probably about eleven o'clock in the morning, getting a phone call from his sister, and she just said Adam passed away, and you know I didn't I didn't believe it. You know you don't want to believe that. and so you know, I just found you know lucky I was home alone because I was just screaming like I didn't really know what to what else to do. I didn't I, yeah, it, I was absolutely speechless, speechless. Um, it, yeah, it just you, you can't be prepared for something like that, mm-hmm. yeah, so
0: yeah what did you how did that impact? on your relationship with the family like
1: yeah i i was um you know honored enough that his family asked me to be one of the pole bearers at the funeral um as hard as it was it was the hardest thing i've ever done um and uh you know the first the first job on the list was to um invite friends um which is the one of the most messed up things you can imagine as well um you know because i wanted to do everything i could to you know support adam's parents to you know um honor their child you know and so um i just said you know i'll i'll invite adam's friends cause i know <laughs> adam's friends i know who he didn't like <laughs> so um it it was it, but it was it was hard because i i just sat there and you know i called brad i was just, i was like you need to leave work now and just get here like just come to my house and he was like, what's going on? I was like, just leave now, just get here sort of thing. And, you know, him being awesome, mate, he, is, he just walked out of work, <laughs> um, which, you know, is a hard thing to ask, of, you know, some people, you know, but um, without the full context, but he knew in my voice that something wasn't right. And, and yeah, I just told him when he got there and, you know, he, he, he was incredible, you know, supporting me while I was just constantly, you know, Crying and shaking and all of those sorts of things that you
0: feel. But did you know it was suicide at that particular point in time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So his sister told me on the phone. And, and how um, did you feel about that when when you found out it was suicide? And mm. what did you notice about not only your own reactions to mm. that moment, but also the reactions of others?
1: Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. It's a learning curve. That's that's for sure. I. The only thing I said, I I just kept saying why over and over again constantly out loud um I couldn't stand up properly and just kept falling over saying why like because I didn't know why and I wanted to know why um and you know after that sort of initial shock then you you start asking things like was I a good enough friend like you know what could I have done to change that and you start questioning your own self-worth and you know all of those sort of sorts of messed up thoughts that come into your head but I think um you know it was I just wanted to know why, and I wanted one last time with him, um, you know, because I didn't, I didn't believe he was gone. I, I was like, no, 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 this, this can't be real. Like, it's just doesn't um, make sense. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. And I was like, I need that, I need that to say goodbye. Like, that's you know, um, and that's something I'll never get. But that, that's something I felt like I needed. Um, you know, uh, you shouldn't have to say goodbye to your best mate when you're about to turn 20. It's, you know, um, it's just not natural. It's not, um, yeah, it just, it's messed up. But, um, yeah, so we, me and Brad sat together and um, so we got a list of people, wrote down a list and then I had to just start calling people and keeping it together. I just had to get it together and you know, hold back all of my feelings and just say, this is what's happened. Like, you have to be aware. Um, and we, you know, we'd like to have you at the funeral sort of thing.
0: What sort of reactions were you getting from people?
1: Uh, everybody was absolutely shocked. Absolutely shocked. Um, but, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think we ended up with like six mates around at my house that afternoon and that night. Um... Uh, but you know even i didn't i i couldn't like my dad is one of my best mates as well, and like i i couldn't even tell him, and he rocked in through the door and just seen us all crying and was like what's happened and i you know like yeah, I told him, and you know that's the first time i've like ever seen him cry, sort of thing, and so that was pretty you know hard because you know he considered Adam a son as well, oh, like yeah. that sort of spot on. thing like so it was um. You know, a really hectic time. Um, And then I think, you know, when it started, um, you know, all of of our close friends were in shock and upset and all of those sorts of things. Um, But then, you know, there was a lot of negative things that happened as well around that, you know, um, when it started to get a bit more public and you get people on Facebook who you thought were, you know, acquaintances or friends, you know, some sort of friends who would message you like, oh, how did he do it? Like, no you know, no absolute, um, no respect. Um, it was like, they just wanted to know. And I was like, well, you know, when was the last time you messaged him to see if he was all good, you know, like, or, you know, he could have said, you know, oh, sorry, you know, but you don't need to know how those things happen. You don't need to know those details. But I think there was a lot of messages that I got like that. Like they just thought I was just going to tell everyone, um, and, and they don't understand what you're going through. Mm. So, you know, like we're sitting there in tears getting these messages and, you know, so my responses were obviously not very friendly but um, it it's, it's shocking that people who, I guess, aren't educated or don't know what the effects of suicide is can just come out with those sorts of things and I think, you know, it's probably a, ...an issue with society, it's, um, you know, probably not that person personally... ...but it's, you know, they just think they can ask that... ...because they don't know what that does to someone... Mm. Um, ...to be able to bring up those sorts of things... ...and, you know, this is within the first week of losing him... ...and so, yeah, I had a lot of a lot of different feelings going on at that point. But
0: yeah. How long did those feelings... Those all pervasive emotions go on for. Like, when did you when did you feel like you were starting to reconcile, moving into the future without your best mate? Mm-hmm. How long did that take? So, for people who are out there who are listening to this and thinking, you know, what does that grieving period yep. look like? What was it like for you? Uh,
1: I think uh, I remember talking to his granddad about it, and we still talk about it to this day, um, and talk about it getting easier but it never gets easy um I think it probably took me about a year to come to terms um with the fact that I had to move on with without him but I had to do something to keep his memory alive that was something that I told myself from that point because I was like just because we're moving on without him doesn't mean we need to forget him um and you know his legacy can live on through me and all of you know all the other people he touched. You know his incredible family and you know all of our other friends. So
0: part of the um, part of the process of moving forward um, or adapting to life without the physical presence of the individual is building our own coping mechanisms and our own self care structures mm-hmm. to protect ourselves from the emotion, right, and to allow ourselves to move forward. Um, whilst carrying that new emotion with us, what did you find yourself doing in order to build some of those new coping strategies into your life?
1: You know, for for a while there, it was hard to think how I could get through, um, you know, or if I was going to get through. I, I was questioning it. I wasn't too sure what was going on. But um, uh, I think as time got further and... I was lucky to have, you know, some incredible people still around me and those sorts of things. Um, I think that um, through that and just having that encouragement and to not give up was really important for me. Um, you know, like I had my dad who would always, like, you know, knock on my bedroom door, like, let's go down the beach You want to go for a run or a walk or something. And that was hugely important for me, um, you know, because... I'd be sitting in my room, you know, you know, not doing too well and I don't want to show it um, and, you know, which is the wrong thing to do. I look back now and I'm like, man, I should have, <laughs> should have taken my own advice, you know, like, but, um, you know, then I'd have people just barge into my room and be like, let's go out, let's, you know, and so I'm really thankful for those sorts of things. But from from that encouragement, I think, led me to then having a conversation in my own head with myself saying, no, you don't, you don't need to give up, man. Like you've got this, you can, um, you know, continue what you're doing because this is only just the beginning for, you know, what, what you, what you set out to do. And that's what Adam said I should do. You know, like he, he never wanted me to give up on my art, mm. and he was the one that convinced me to just go through with it. Um, and I was nervous cause I had to sign on to a hex debt <laughs> and all of those sorts of, you know, financial pressures that, um, you know, do, do have an effect on, you know, a person as well. And, and I was like, man, if I sign up for all of this stuff, it's you know, like, it's a lot of pressure to you know get it right and all of that. And he's like, nah, man, you got this. Just go for it. Like, and so I was never going to give up on it because of yeah. that, um, you know. And I was always thinking, you know, what would Adam think, um, you know? And he wouldn't have wanted me sitting around crying and all of those sorts of things. And um, you know, but you've you've got to do that as well. Um, you got to let it all out. But I think that you know the self-care definitely developed just through continuing my art um and i was playing in a band at that time and that band uh that band was uh, really important to me um because we just you know we'd meet every week for band practice there was a routine and so a structure yeah and that mm. structure and that those routines are, are really important because it helps you keep maintaining um your mental well-being it's something that you've got to keep on top of and it's something that I'm a lot more aware of now Um, because, you know, like we can always find ourselves slipping back into, you know, feeling sad or um, those sorts of moods and, you know, that's fine, that's natural but then you've got to be able to say to yourself, okay, cool, what can you do to make yourself feel better? Um,
0: Yeah. I only found out today uh, that there's uh, another part to this story. Uh, I feel emotional even just talking to you about it. Uh, The last time I saw you, the conversation was... It was about Adam and and the loss associated with that. But since then, uh, there's been another step in this story, a really tragic step in this story, and it involves Adam's brother. Talk to us about what happened. Yeah, so um, it was...
1: Oh, I can't even remember the month or day it's all a bit of a blur um but um yeah we've recently lost Jason to suicide as well um which was an absolute shock um he's Adam's little brother and uh yeah it was just it, it I can't can't describe how much of a shock it was it's just no words for it um Adam's granddad called me while I was at work at the gallery and said, this has happened. And and I just said, probably said, what, like five times because I I was like, am I hearing you right? This, like, just, it was just like a bit of a deja vu sort of feeling. Um, But, you know, not a good one. But, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, that that was, that's really hard, Um, you know, is really hard for everybody to come to terms with. Um,
0: I can't imagine. Yeah. I, I can't, I'm a father of two boys. I can't imagine losing one. Mm. To further imagine the idea of losing both, I just, I don't even know what to say to that. What, mm. you, you know the family. You, you obviously um, went and, and were with them in that time of grief. How is it possible to reconcile that situation? Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, I'm, I consider my sort of myself and my personality to be, um, you know, a supportive person. I, I always want to help people and I, I want to make them feel better. In a situation like that, it's not possible um, to change what has happened um and you know i we we all met up and we couldn't really say anything it was it was just yeah it was just yeah I, I we couldn't even couldn't couldn't really talk um but i think the important thing is that we all came together um you know like i went there and i was you know i just in my mind i was Sort of, it sent me back to everything with Adam, and um, you know, like I, I was just wanted to say something to make them feel better, but it's not possible no. in that sort of situation, no. and um, yeah, so it it's just absolutely unbelievable sort of situation, and again, you wouldn't wouldn't think it would have happened. Um, You know, when I met Jason, he was a lot younger than me and, you know, he was that little brother who would... Almost a kid brother. Yeah, he was basically... He was a little kid when I met him and, um, you know, him and Adam would have fights and chase each other around with, (laughs) like, you know, um, what are they called, like, boogie boards, like, hitting each other and stuff and, you know, all those things that brothers do and, um, you know, I just look back and, um, you, you know, like, I always considered Jason to be you know just just that kid you know and when we lost Adam I was I said to myself I was like I've gotta you know watch like you know look after Jason Mm -hmm. and and Kelly his sister and um you know and I think you know it's a lot of pressure as well to put yourself under but it's you know you've always got to be there for the people um you know the families especially that are directly affected by it um it's yeah and not an easy journey and i can't speak on behalf of the family for what they're feeling but no. you know it's um it's completely messed up yeah
0: it's all too common unfortunately yeah with siblings yeah you know we do know that science is that siblings are at risk they become it's an elevated risk factor when you lose mm. uh, a sibling and there's reason to look out for you know other siblings yeah um, you uh, have decided to, uh, I guess, do something out of this. I mean, yep. you, it's you know, um, it's an opportunity for growth on so many different levels, not just an education level, but also uh, you're a very giving guy, and and what you want to do is uh, use this to as a catalyst for uh, helping others. And yep. so, what have you turned your attention to in, in order so, to do that?
1: Um, I guess it really all started after attending the Roses in the Ocean workshop. I think from through that workshop, um, I would 100% recommend that workshop to anybody who has been through a lived experience of suicide because it made me um, see a different perspective that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I think that um, by being around uh, a group of people who had, um lost somebody in the same way and uh all of you know you you feel so alone in afterwards and to to then be comforted by a group of people and you know instructors like yourself who um are able to talk about um you know what what um you know about suicide um mm. gave me the opportunity to feel empowered again um to feel like I could actually talk about this um, issue and to do something about it Um, because, you know, it's not something you can just bring up at the dinner table, you know, to, you know, a bunch of people who, um, you know, people who haven't been through it or, Mm. um, you know, it's not an easy topic to discuss. So being able to create that, to, um, to have access to that platform, firstly for me was an incredible experience to, just be able to talk about it in a different way and think about, well, what am I going to do about it from here? Um, You know, instead of just say, you know, that's what I went through and that's that, um, I want to make sure other people don't have to go through the same thing. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people go through it. And so I was thinking, you know, is there something, you know, we've got quite... A good amount of resources here in South Australia for suicide prevention, which is awesome. Um, and, you know, all the hotlines and things like that. And I've wanted to, I just sat there one night thinking, how can I do something that's different but also works towards the same goal? And that's to lower st- the statistics. Um, and so I started, I've started up a little group called. Um, Survivors of Suicide Loss Adelaide, um, in brackets SOSLA. And so I've dedicated the whole thing to Adam um, because he never wanted me to give up on my art and, you know, I don't ever want to give up on him. And so I want to create this in his legacy to make change for people that um, are suffering the loss of a loved one. Um, And so it would basically be... um, a, place, a safe place where people can come to and just talk or not talk or just um, have that company of those people around them. But it'll also be um, – I'll also have sort of workshops, I guess, um, and each one is going to have a different workshop and it will be a, a different taster of – something that they might not have tried before. So something completely different. And by that, I mean like, you know, things like workshops, maybe like, you know, painting or sewing workshops or, you know, a bit of a fitness thing or a bit of a, you know, absolutely anything. could be just a cooking class, you know, just different ways that, um, you know, um, you can cope with grief and loss. Um, just giving you another avenue to be able to, yeah, um, you know access those things to start something new Um, because I think that was a hugely important thing for me because I felt like I was in a bit of a rut and you know although I continued with the art and the music I pushed myself into boundaries in both of those things that I thought I would never be able to to reach and taking that risk into those new areas um, was enough to challenge me to get to um, to do things that I never thought I could do And, um, you know, even now I still love just doing different things. Like um, I went on that sky high climb thing at West Beach with um, my partner, Renee. And, you know, it was absolutely scary, but it was awesome that we did it. And it's such a buzz. It's there's all these different um, things and different ways to cope. You know, even if it's, you know, you want to make a succulent or something, you know, those terrarium things like, you know, you can do that, those sorts of things. Um, so it'll be starting up this year. We've got Facebook and Instagram page. And T-shirts, I can say. And T-shirts, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this will be for um, the couple of volunteers that have um, offered to support me in creating this thing. Um, And it's obviously going to be a non-for-profit, it's all free for people to come to. Um, And it's just to make you feel... And realise that you're not alone in the situation that you're in, and um, show you different ways that you can cope. Um, and it's basically a starting point for you know what could be a whole new life for you. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah.
0: In conclusion, what's the message that you would like to put out to those who might be grappling with um, the grief associated with uh, the loss of someone they cherish? Um, my first bit of advice would be to speak out. Um,
1: and speak up make sure the people around you know how you're feeling Um, there is absolutely no shame in feeling depressed anxious and all of those sorts of dark feelings that a lot of people experience there's no embarrassment with seeking help and talking about those sorts of things so make sure you get out there and um, talk to someone doesn't matter if it's a professional or a friend Um, just get out there and make sure your voice is heard, um, and I guess also don't give up on yourself. Um, you you are worth living, um, and uh, you know we love having you here. Everybody has a purpose here, and um, you you know we've you need to continue your journey. Yeah,
0: and for those who are grieving,
1: um, I think. Same thing, make sure everybody knows how you're feeling. It's a very important thing. Um, uh, you know, through my own experience, I didn't do that enough. I think I didn't tell people how I was feeling and I was very good at bottling things up, which didn't have a good effect. It um, sort of brought me down. So, you know, make sure you're connecting with people around you. Um, and also, um, I guess, try some new things. Um if you feel like you're in a bit of a rut, change something up, um, change something in your life, maybe, uh, start meditation or try and get to the beach once a week. Those tiny little adjustments in life. Um, you know, every now and then I go in my backyard and f- spend five minutes just thinking about my breathing and nothing else. Um, and, uh, there was just something I read off of the internet and it's a huge help. Even, you know, if I come home feeling a bit stressed, um, I can do that and just focus on my breathing and bring it back to just being human and having those sorts of feelings. Um, Yeah, and I think also get out there and see what what there is, what resources there are for you. You know, contact Roses in the Ocean, um, to see if they're coming down to your town soon um, and attend a workshop um, and, you know, surround yourself with people who have been through a similar thing because I think... um, it's it's a very important thing to not make you feel so alone.
0: Mm. So many wise words. Thank you so much, uh, Tom, for being on Roses Radio with us uh, today, um, mate. I just I love your style. I love the the unassuming nature of uh, of who you are as a person and the humility that goes with that. But I also love the passion that you got to make a difference. And uh, you know, Sossler, I, I know is going to be a success because you bring heart to it, brother. And 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 heart is is uh, what it's all about um yeah this podcast is part of the the legacy now um you know it's part of the adam story um Mm. because uh it doesn't now reside with you yeah um and those who knew him physically uh we now bring insight and wisdom from his life and and we now give that to others And, and not only him but also we honor jason as part of that process as well and Uh, I'm sure there's going to be lots of people out there who are going to have loved uh, listening to what it is that you've got to say and we we really appreciate the fact that you've come on to to bring this story to us.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's an absolute honour.
0: It's been a pleasure. Thanks, mate.
1: Cheers.